Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Elizabeth Butts. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Hey, Henry. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited. Great to have you. And Elizabeth goes by Liz. So uh, on this episode, Liz is going to share the story of launching her small business called Sprinkle Pop. And they're a maker of gourmet baking sprinkles. If you want to receive more information about uh, the How of Business and the link to the show notes page for this episode, you can just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996. So Elizabeth Butts is uh, someone who transitioned, like I did, from a successful corporate finance career, I wasn't in finance, but successful corporate career, to launch her first small business back in 2017. Liz is the founder, as I mentioned, of Sprinkle Pop, which makes bespoke sprinkle mixes. And we'll talk about more what that is, but they serve baking supply stores, professional cake and cookie decorators, and baked good enthusiasts worldwide with the high quality, unique, customizable rather, gourmet sprinkle products. So those sprinkles that go on cupcakes or cakes and other baked goods. She has grown her business from a one woman show operating out of a small room in her house on nights and weekends while maintaining her day job at an energy company to expanding it to its own dedicated warehouse space now with a devoted team in less than one year. So phenomenal growth that she has experienced. Liz lives in the Houston, Texas area. So once again, Elizabeth Butts, welcome to the show. Thanks. Uh, when I was doing the research, I, I really got excited about it because this is the, the classic type, I think, of uh, you know, American small business <laughs> that, that's so exciting to hear the story about, and especially because you were in the corporate arena, successfully so. And so I'm, I'm just really excited to dive into how you got to where you are today. You studied finance in college and then had a career in finance, right? Yeah, that's correct. So, um, and you did that for a few years and did it very well. So what led up to, or was it over time? What led you to this business idea? So I, aside from working in, in finance, I actually have been a cake decorator on the side since I was in high school. So I guess I've always kind of had an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, I did that all through college and then after college. And I was doing that really on nights and weekends first. And, and you then, were you were getting paid for that. You were doing it as a business. Yeah, a hobby business is what I like to call it. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I, you know, I had the idea for the sprinkle mixes because I need, I personally needed them for a cake that I was making. And the original thought was maybe this could supplement the cake decorating business. And between the two of them, I could quit my job. Mm -hmm. well, why did you want to quit your job? Well, I, it wasn't really about that I, I didn't like my job. It was more just I had such a strong passion for the cake decorating that I just, I personally just wanted to do it all the time, all day, every day. It's all I really thought about. I, you know, I was maybe a little too good at my job, so I was able to work on that stuff while, while I was at work. Um, and so it was more about following a passion than necessarily starting a business, if that yeah. makes sense. You know, it does make sense. And you, so that when you were, when you're doing decorating a cake or whatever it might be related to that. That's you're in your zone. You love doing that. You get lost in that. I suspect. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. 
did you, but did you see it as I just want to do that because I enjoy doing it? Or did you also see the business side of it early on or did that come later? I think it really came later. You know, one of the struggles I had the whole time was I was getting paid really well at my job and I knew that quitting it would mean I would be taking a pretty, pretty massive pay cut. Um, and I was okay with that because I was doing something that I really loved, but, um, you know, I really didn't see the true upside of it until I was well into it, specifically speaking about Sprinkle Pop. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so when does it, you touched on it, but when is it that you figured out this specific niche of the sprinkles or did it, was it accidentally that it took off? I'm trying to understand how you pivoted to that specifically. And then that's what you've made a business out of. I think I was maybe slightly, it's funny when it happened, I was really excited. I had, I, I won't say that I invented these designer sprinkle mixes. There are other companies that do it. Um, and as a cake decorator, I had seen them mm -hmm. and I was really interested in them. And it kept one of those things, you know, it's kind of nagging at you and you're like, ah, oh, these are so beautiful. And I keep seeing them. And when I ended up needing the sprinkles and I made my own, I really saw the need and the other companies were not in the U S and so I saw kind of like a little bit of a market gap and I knew it was a new niche and there was a lot of room for growth. And so I figured if I was going to dip my toe in it, I might as well do it now. Um, as far as it being really successful, it wasn't really until I started partnering with like major social media influencers that we saw true growth that I was like, okay, this is a real business. Interesting. And that, that was happening while you were still working. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So how long, when you, you, you pivoted to an extent on the sprinkle thing, how long was that before you got to the point where you quit your job? I launched Sprinkle Pop in March of 2017 and I left my job on December 31st of the same year. So okay. I think it was eight or nine months. And before that, before launching it, how long were you in the idea phase and the development phase and kind of fine tuning what you initially came to market with? How long was that process? You know what? <laughs> Not very long. Um, I'm the kind of person that when I get an idea, I get overexcited about it. And I just need to execute. Um, I had the idea in January of 2017 and I honestly, I would have launched it quicker, but we had, my husband and I had an international trip planned and I didn't want to start something and then have to leave for two weeks. So uh, that was really the the only thing holding me back. So it was, I, I had the idea in January and we launched in, in March. Wow. That's impressive. Um, so you mentioned your husband and I know we'll get into his involvement now, but what were his thoughts? Cause by at that point you're thinking, I want to build this to something where I can leave my job. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what were the thoughts at that point at home as to, you know, the financial impact of that, if nothing else? Um, at the beginning, it, it wasn't even a question of being able to do that because it was, you know, it was pretty small for, for a good six, seven months. And so I, I didn't even broach the subject with him. Okay. He knew that I wanted to do cake decorating and as, or something in the creative element full time. But I, you know, I, I had to show him real numbers before he would even consider that. Sure. Sure. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and so did you, you, I suspect a lot of times in these cases, people kind of have a number in their head that I have to be at before I'm going to now plan to leave the job? Did you have, and you don't have to share it, but did you have a number in your head that you had to be at revenue wise or profit wise 
before you were going to then plan to take action on leaving your job? You know, I didn't. Um, Sprinkle Pop is is purely a bootstrapped business, and I was I still invest a lot of our profits into the business, and so I didn't have a specific number. It was more about for both of us, really, a feeling of was this going to be viable long term. So financially, I gotta suspect then you all had done well as far as not being in a lot of debt, putting money away so that you could take this risk financially? Correct. Yeah. My husband has a, he has a, a good job in sales in the biotech industry. And so um, by the time I was, you know, asking him, is, is this a good time to quit? You know, he was doing really well at his job and it was, can we risk this for a year? And if it doesn't do well, you could always go back to mm -hmm. the corporate world if you had to. Right. Yeah, that's such a good perspective. I want, I want to touch on that, Liz, because that's a question I always have people ask themselves, what is the worst case scenario? And often that helps people get over the fear of it, because I'm sure you ask yourself, so if this fails, what's my worst case scenario? I go go back and get another job, right? Mm -hmm, exactly. And I, and I truly did like working in finance. So it wasn't like it would have been, been a terrible outcome, but you know, it was worth the risk because we're young. We don't have any kids. I mean, this is the prime time. Yeah. Um, and so I'll come back in a moment to fast forward a moment. Did you hit then that milestone that you had for yourself in that one year to determine, yep, we're going to continue with this or no, we're going to abandon it. I'm assuming you hit that within that time frame, or did you give yourself more time? We hit it. So I, we did an influencer marketing campaign in, um, October and we booked two influencer videos from a cookie decorator and the second one was for Christmas sales and that video went viral and we ended up doing tens of thousands of dollars in sales in the span of a couple days. Wow. And when that video went viral it was decided between the two of us that like now okay we have a formula for success we just need to keep pushing energy towards it and the only way you're going to be able to do that is if you do it full time. At that time, were you only selling online off your own site? Is that how people could buy the product at that point? That's correct, yes. Yeah. The influencer marketing, did you hire somebody to help you with that or did you figure that out on your own? I, at the time, I had figured it out on my own, again, because I, I was selling to an audience that I would be a customer as well. So as right. someone with a cake decorating experience, I already knew who the influencers were wow. and it was easy enough for me to reach out to those people and, and see what what it would take to work with them. Right. Why? Uh, so that would, that's huge. Why do you, was there something in particular you can share that helped to get their attention? Cause I mean, a lot of these people get bombarded with these requests. Was there something you did? Did you send them samples of your product? What can you share there as to how you got those first couple of influencers? Yeah, I think it depends on who the influencer is. Even, you know, over the course of the business, Normally, you can just reach out to someone and ask for their pricing. You should never expect to get something for free. I will definitely say that because it's, it's quite offensive to people. <laughs> um, but you can normally just send them an email and they'll let you know what their pricing is. Um, but I will say that in my second year, last year, I ended up hiring a publicist. And she has been super helpful in getting me um, my product in front of people who I, I wouldn't have had access to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you, I'm assuming you hired her in part because she has experience in this particular segment of reaching these influencers. You know, funnily enough, I didn't, I was looking, I, 
I knew all the main influencers um, in my industry, and I was actually looking for someone more general who would be able to reach out to, you know, news shows and magazines and podcasts and, and just other places where I don't, you know, I don't know what I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. You, you had, like you said, you knew who those people were. You just needed the expertise of somebody from a pure public relations perspective to continue Mm -hmm. to spread the word broader. Correct. All right. Going back to, to starting it. So then um, it, you probably didn't need any big budget to get started. You were doing this out of your house initially, right? That's correct. Yeah. When we talked about it, it's funny when I, when I brought it up to my husband, I sent him a picture of some sprinkles and I was like, what do you think if I sell these <laughs> online? And he was like, well, that sounds silly, but <laughs> um, I, you know, I just took a couple hundred bucks of my cake decorating money and threw a website together and you know, bought some product and packaged it, um, and had a business. It was, it was very low barrier to entry. (laughs) Right. And how did, how did you test it initially, Liz, that you, was it based on those initial sales, friends and family, your existing clientele for cake decorating? How did you validate initially that? Yeah, I think we've got something here. Uh, well, first off, again, I have to go back to like myself being cake decorator. I can be mm-hmm. my own guinea pig. Sure. Um, but I did, uh, I was really involved in, in social networking groups that were cake decorators all over the country. So I was able to, you know, send samples out to those people. How do you like this? What's good about it? What's bad? Um, and, uh, you know, it didn't take much to get to the product that we have today. I would say within the first six months, we haven't really changed much. Interesting. The product initially and now, what I'm curious about is how how is it manufactured? When you were mm-hmm. first creating this, were you there are existing there are existing sources of this, and then you combine them to create these recipes, for lack of a better term, is that how that worked initially? Kind of. So what's different about Sprinkle Pop is we actually custom dye sprinkles. So uh-huh. you do source in your standard rainbow. But then we have about 25 other colors that we dye in-house. So hmm. originally the business was, I can't afford to source all the rainbow, so I'm just going to dye it all. <laughs> and that was how I was doing it at that time, just in, in big bowls in my kitchen. Now we source in the colors that we can and we supplement and dye the rest in giant drums in our, in our warehouse. But these different shapes, those are manufactured by someone else that you source, you may color them and then you combine them to create these unique mixes. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. People I think are used to seeing uh, sprinkles in just one type. It's, they're called jimmies. They're like the little um, mm-hmm. bars. And uh, it's funny because I tell people that I, I make designer sprinkles and they're just like, well, what is that? I'm like, well, they're sprinkles. You know what sprinkles are? And it, <laughs> those two words kind of don't go together. So no. it's kind of hard to explain, but yeah, they're just mixes of different shapes and textures and colors are really unique and they really like amp up your desserts. No, I mean, it's fascinating. I'm not a baker. My, my daughter is, uh, um, and my wife does, but I mean, you just look at them. They're, they're so fun looking. Like I'm looking at the, the mix for Halloween, which is coming up as we record this. And we're talking about there's sprinkles, but then there's mixed in little pumpkins and little mm-hmm. eyeballs. And, you know, it's, it's incredibly unique. And yeah. all of that is edible, obviously, because they're, they're real edible sprinkles. Right. Absolutely. So, um, all right. So I'm fascinated by that. Uh, I want to go back a step though. Did you put together any kind of business plan, financial projections at any point in time as you were transitioning from this being, like you said, a, a hobby business to a real business? 
So I didn't have a financial plan or a business plan up until year two, really. It was kind of like trial by error. Um, and I was just thrown into it. And I will say my husband was harping on me over and over. You need a business plan, you need a business plan. And I was like, I know, I know, I'll get to it. But <laughs> when it's just you, it's it's a lot. There's only so many hours in the day. Right. Um, when I went to go find a warehouse, that's when I really had to start looking at the numbers. Mm-hmm. Sure, And of making sure that I could afford the overhead. So that was about a year in. Okay, okay. And did you get help to put that together? Or did you, I mean, you have a finance background, so so you you knew the the basics of the numbers anyway. Yeah, I did it mostly myself. And then I had, you know, my husband take a look at it and I had my my old boss take a look at it um, and just see if there were any obvious holes in it. But overall, like, I wouldn't say I I had a um, a full-fledged business plan per, per se. It's more, for me, it's always more about just the financial planning aspect of it. Yeah. And then, so when you took that leap of getting out of the house and going to a warehouse, now that really became, started to become a proper business. I was in about a year's time frame, right? If I'm following mm-hmm. correctly. Yep. Um, and that, all of that has still been bootstrapped. You haven't gone for outside sources of money. That's correct. Yeah, that's, that's been really important to me. I really don't want to take on any debt. Um, and I've been fortunate to not have to. And in fact, when I'm, you know, I, I now have, outsourced marketing help and stuff like that. And when they, they come to me and they're like, well, we can get you this much business. And my issue is always telling them, well, I don't want to grow at a rate that I can't afford. So I, I've made a conscious decision to grow um, at a sustainable rate so that I don't have to get outside funding. Okay. Do you think that at some point though, might put you at a disadvantage in the market because you're not growing fast enough? It's possible. I'm, I'm, looking to actually go into a bigger warehouse next year. And so it's something that I'm having to look at because, you know, I do have competitors. Some of them have automation already. Um, and so I have to, you know, weigh those pros and cons. Um, and I can tell you, I don't have an answer yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm sure that's, I mean, that's one of the challenges. I get why you want to avoid debt, but at some point it might become necessary to, to be able to survive. Yeah. But, but related to that is since you mentioned the competition, what, in your words, what do you think differentiates you from the competitors? Mm-hmm. So when you look at our sprinkles across the board, you know, I think to the average person, they're all pretty similar. One of the things that's different about our company is that we custom dye sprinkles. So we actually have more colors than any other mm. sprinkle manufacturer, large or small in the, in the U S. Um, so that's one thing that I'm, I'm always able to say, because you're going to get colors here that you can't get anywhere else. And if we don't have it, we can make it. And it's not a problem when we don't have massive minimums that would prevent you from ordering it. And so that's one thing that I like about our company is right now we are able to remain pretty nimble and accommodate those customers. And the other thing that differentiates us is really those little cute shapes. We're the only company that does that. So people go nuts for those. Right. Right. Um, okay. Since we're on the topic now, where can I find the product now besides on your website? So you can find it on Amazon, okay. which was our, our 2019 success story. Yep. Um, and we're also in just a large number of cake decorating and, and um, kitchen supply stores throughout the U.S. Across the U.S. or regionally? I mean, are you, you're everywhere in the U.S. in select locations? 
We are all over the U.S. I mean, I could list off uh, cake supply stores to you, but they would probably not mean anything to you. Sure, yeah, they're independent. They're also actually yeah. being carried by Marble Slab Creameries throughout the U.S. as well. Wow. So I, I just, what I what I think about is as you're growing to that level of distribution, things get can get pretty complex and expensive pretty mm -hmm. quickly, yeah? Um, so how are you foreseeing you're going to manage that growth and like you said, not try to get into too much debt in doing so. Mm -hmm. So we've already looked into um, automation and there's, you know, a couple different ways to do it. We can either piecemeal it and, and get the machines that solve our biggest pain points first, or we can do it all together. You know, if I did the full line of automation, that's where I have to take out debt. So yeah, yeah. that's the decision I haven't made yet, but really I don't, I almost feel like I've just fortunately planned the business the right way, but we haven't hit any hiccups yet where I've gotten an order too large that I can't fill. Yeah. So even when Marble Slab came to us and they ordered thousands and thousands of pounds of sprinkles, I was able to make that happen in a, in a time frame that was acceptable to them. So I feel pretty confident that, you know, at, at least for the next year or two that we're in a place where we can grow as much as we need. Yes, fantastic. Would you ever consider having somebody else make the product for you? So no. contract manufacturer? No, absolutely not. I there you would lose quality, you would yes, lose a lot of I've things, seen right? It happen with other companies and I I just I would I would honestly rather build the company into a full-fledged like sprinkle manufacturing from scratch than outsource it. Okay. Yeah. You, did you did you look at that and that's why you're so adamant against it? I've seen competitors do it. And it's, it's taken their brand down. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I wouldn't want to miss out on the quality. Even I find when we're sourcing in product from other companies, I can see, you know, batch variation that sometimes I'm not pleased with. And so I wouldn't want that to happen to my, my product as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay, uh, I want to go back for a second again. When you decided to leave your job and go do this full time, I'm always curious as to the reaction that you got from family. I mean, I know your husband, obviously you were having those discussions over a period of time, but parents, friends, coworkers, what did they think about what you were doing? My favorite reaction is my mom's <laughs> because <laughs> she, um, sh she's obviously very proud of me, but when I was getting started, she was just like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get why people are paying $12 for sprinkles. They're sprinkles. <laughs> and she just, She's really, she thinks it's really neat that, you know, nowadays, like someone can make a living making sprinkles and selling them on the internet. That's, that's the American dream. But at the same time, she kind of didn't get it because she's not into baking. And so for her, it was just silly, but you know, everyone else has been, and not that she's not supportive because she is, but everyone has been extremely supportive. They think it's such a unique idea. So I just, I feel fortunate. I've been really surrounded by cheerleaders. Yeah, no, that's, that is fantastic. Uh, I think a lot of people, even your parents, a lot of times what you get is they're, they're genuinely concerned because they think you left this great job and it had benefits. And if that's, you know, if there weren't, mm -hmm. if they're not entrepreneurs and that's, they're thinking, they think you're taking this huge risk, right? Yeah. Yeah. They weren't um, super on board when I said I was quitting my job, but I'm, I've always, you know, march to my own drum beat. So. <laughs> <laughs> so they knew there was no, uh, once you decided on something, you were going to do it. Yeah, exactly. What do you think are a couple of your personal characteristics that have led to your success so far in business? 
Um, well, first, I think I've always been a self-motivated person. Um, and so that has enabled me to basically teach myself all the things I've needed to learn to do this business. You know, one of the things you don't think about when you start a business is that you go from being super concentrated in whatever you're doing in your corporate job to jack of all trades, because now you have to know accounting and marketing and inventory planning and social media and web development. Um, so being self-motivated has helped me just, you know, dive into it and learn it. And then also just, I'm a very level-headed person. I don't get stressed out very easily. Um, and growing a business, I, it's very stressful. And so I think being calm in, in stressful situations has, has helped me quite a bit. Yeah, that, that's huge. You think you've, you think you've uh, been able to, and because of that, enjoy the journey, the process of building this business. Sure, there are sleepless nights, but overall, you enjoy it all. I do, I do. I, I really every day. I'm, I, I never am like, oh, I don't really want to go to work today. I mean, I love coming here. I still, even though I got to pick my warehouse location, I'm 40 minutes from from my home, and like, I don't mind coming here. It never feels like a burden. I just, I love all of it, even when it's stressful. Yeah, I love that. In doing the research, I can't remember where I read it, but but you you consider yourself a perfectionist, right? Oh yes. <laughs> how how has that helped and also hindered you in business? I think it's helped me because I I it keeps my product really consistent. So you know when you're training new employees and they get something wrong, again I go back to my level headedness because I don't freak out if something's wrong and I just find a solution. So that's one of the reasons we have a um mystery sprinkles on the website. So if there's ever any errors, we can <laughs> throw those into mystery sprinkles. I love that. Um, but it also I, has for sure hindered me because I hold on to tasks a little too tightly. Um, and it's like, I don't trust other people to do them. Yeah, that, that has been my problem because I'm a perfectionist as well. So give me some, it, it, you know, you, you're early into this career and have had a huge success. Are there some techniques, some tips that you can share on how you've been getting better at that? I, the only way I can say I've been getting better at it is when I train someone to do something now, I train them like five times to do it, to make okay. sure, even if they are like, oh, you told me this already. I'm like, oh, that's okay. I'm going to tell you again, because I want to make sure that you do it exactly the way that I would do it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think just being really repetitive with how I'm training people gives me quite a bit more peace of mind. And also, you know, we're a small team. So you know, I do have an office, but I'm out in the warehouse pretty much every day. And, you know, if I see something that's, you know, wrong, I'll correct it right away. And that, that ability to correct people and they don't get their feelings hurt, um, have a really good team and they take correction really well. And so I think that's, that's helped me let go of some stuff. Yeah. You, so you mentioned training. Do you, do you feel like you've got good training procedures and systems in place or are you still working on that? Oh, we're definitely still working on that. Yeah. That, that's something that I find helps with learning how to, how to let go because you've got the training in place. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It's, we're actually working on an employee handbook right now, but you know, it seems like every time I hire a new employee, it's because we're desperate for a new employee. And right. so by the time they get here, we're just like throwing them to the wolves. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I know. I understand. Um, you know, for me, the other thing that was an important lesson that I'm still learning and my partner helped me with this is that, you know, the, for a perfectionist, we want everything done to our 100% measure or better, right? Mm -hmm. yes. And we got to accept that when we delegate something, 
that might be to 80% of our capability, especially for somebody like you who's creative. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But A, it's good enough more times than not. Yes. Otherwise, it's something you don't delegate. And B, they bring to it a different perspective that actually can make it better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. I totally get that. And I've had um, my first employee, she's she's like my, my second hand. And I talked to her about pretty much everything. I, and, you know, when I get frustrated when I'm training a new employee or something's not being done the way I like, and she's like, right, but it got done and right. it's, it's okay. And I'm like, you're right. I know, but <laughs> I know, I know that it, it's hard. It's hard for us to let go of that, but it's, but it's a, a necessary thing if you're going to continue to grow. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and continue to develop people that, that, that you instill confidence in and that actually mm -hmm. are empowered to do what you want them to Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I want to go back to your husband. How is he involved in the business now? He still has his full-time job, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he um, he's not really involved in the business. I bounce a lot of ideas off of him. Obviously, we talk about Sprinkle Pop pretty much every day. Um, and he'll come in and help me if we're, you know, someone calls out and I, I need help in the warehouse over the weekend or something. Um, he's super supportive, but he really does try to like, you know, take a, a more hands-off approach and, and let me work it. I mean, he comes to trade shows with me. So we travel for that together That's so nice. that I don't have to pay employees. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you get to do that together too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we, we often like, we went to London um, last year for the largest cake decorating show in the world. And obviously we made that a vacation because why yeah. couldn't you? And those are, those have got to be fun shows to go to. I have to imagine. They are so fun. And we've been to enough of them now. It's a lot of the same people that go to them. So we've made friends and we're able to, you know, network with people after the show. So it's, it's been really, really influential for us. I think even um, the cake decorating world is, is pretty um, tight knit and all these people compete on all these TV shows. And so since we're friends with all of them, they use our sprinkles on the show. It's really cool. <sighs> that's great. Yeah. That's huge exposure. Mm -hmm. that, that networking at that level obviously is very powerful. Oh, for sure. Um, are, there, are there any other challenges that you recall? It's not that far back, but especially as it relates to making that transition, you talked about it, making that transition from the corporate world where you have a specific focus to having to wear all of the hats, also being used to having, you know, what seems like endless resources when you work for a large corporation, but, but now you, you have limited resources. Were there some surprises that you think back to that you recall that were early surprises or challenges? Um, you know, the, the really the only main challenge that I've had, which, and it doesn't really, it's not really about transitioning from corporate to, to the small business, but my main challenge has been inventory planning for growth. Um, you know, I worked in treasury, so I, I did numbers all day, every day. So like that part of the business, I have a tight handle on, but you know, when you're growing at three X, four X, and sometimes more than that, I, I just like, I continue to struggle with inventory planning and I, it's like a problem that I, I haven't quite overcome yet. Mm. But it's gotta be extremely hard because you're, you're growing so fast. That's hard to project. Correct. And so balancing that has gotta be really hard. It is. And then when you add in that you're doing these, these marketing campaigns with influencers and you never know which one's going to land. Right. Um, and when one does land, how do you plan for that and not over plan for it? Because um, you've got these spikes that can occur yes, then as a result absolutely. of that. Absolutely. What's the shelf life for this product? How long can you keep it? We guarantee it for 18 months, realistically, quite a bit longer. Um, okay. But okay. So it's not like it's something that if you get caught with inventory on it, 
it's going to spoil, but you've got money tied up on it. Is that the bigger exactly. challenge? Okay. Exactly. Yes. Okay. And again, your cash flow. How are you? Or do you have a credit line that you can lean on, or is it all from your saved working capital that you're smoothing that out? I do have a credit line that I can lean on um, for you know inventory planning. That I you know I use it, pay it off, use it. But um, I'm I'm trying to get to a point where I don't need to use it. Although I, that might be ambitious thinking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially because you're going to continue to have this exponential growth, I would mm-hmm. hope, for the next number of years. So oh, yes, a, that's the plan. <laughs> it's a challenge. Um, and you are profitable? I am. This is the first year I can say that. <laughs> and so does that, uh, have you been paying yourself a salary or are you just paying yourself the profits? How are you doing that? So the way that this that our industry works is the bulk, I would say 60% of our sales come in Q4. So uh, this is the first year that I, I will be profitable and I'll, I intend to pay myself at the end of the year. I see. Okay. And then hopefully going into next year, you might start to pay yourself more yes. frequently. Yep. Yes. I would like to pay myself, maybe move on to a quarterly payment and then eventually a, a regular paycheck. Okay. Okay. Good. And, and I would ask you then, you know, how does it compare to what you projected, but you didn't really put a financial projection together uh, early on, mm-hmm. but are you where you thought you were going to be ahead of schedule? Uh, tell mm-hmm. me about that. Yeah. So um, at the beginning of the year, I did a projection for 2019 and we have exceeded our targets by at least 40% every month. That's wild. Um, so yeah, we're well ahead of where I thought we would be which again goes back to my inventory planning issue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I was looking at my question about your biggest challenge that that's it. Right. And that's, that's oh, yeah. classic for your type of business. That's, that's the biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the first position you hired? So the first part-time position I hired was um, I, the position is called a sprinkle fairy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Tisha, she's like I said, she's my, my right-hand girl. She's, she's a warehouse worker. Um, and then I did make a, a full-time hire this year for a director of sales and marketing. So um, she's actually part-time right now and she'll be full-time in January. So in the warehouse producing the product is you, the one other person, and do you bring in temporary people? How do you do that? To oh, manage? I have about six part-time people ah, that okay. Okay. work in the warehouse. Yeah. I see. Got it. All right. That makes sense. Um, I got to think it's a, it's a job that, well, I mean, it's hard work. It, it's, it, I can think it's a fun environment, right? It's not, uh, I mean, you're making a fun product, so that's got to help. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. So when I hired uh, my first employee, she actually had a baby um, recently. And so she was like, I'd love to come work with you, but I, I have this baby. And I was like, well, bring him in. It's fine. So <laughs> now we've got a toddler running around three days a week. Um, and we listen to Disney music half the time and it's pretty fun. I mean, it's real casual. We wear you know, sweatpants and t-shirts. Yeah. Of course, this child is going to grow up thinking there are sprinkles everywhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I was sure gonna, they're going to go with, with, through withdrawal when they're not around sprinkles. All the I'm time. sure. All right. I want to talk a little bit more about marketing. We, we talked about uh, a, a few minutes ago about influence marketing and how important that is. You just hired a marketing person mm-hmm. in doing the research. I mean, you've got tremendous traction already on social media, 51,000 fans on Facebook, two and a half two and a half million views on Pinterest, 85,000 followers on Instagram. Mm -hmm. That all came organically, I'm assuming, right? Yes. Um, And was it something you were building even way back to when you were doing the cake decorating business on the side? 
No, no. I, I had no understanding of social media when I was doing cake decorating. Interesting. Um, when I picked up Sprinkle Pop, I just, I, you know, I did a little research and I just kind of hammered away at it piece by piece. My goal was actually to do 10,000 followers in the first year. And I hit that at, I think, nine months. And so I was super stoked. I think it's just, it's such a visual product that it, it really lends itself to social media. It really does. Yeah. And this is similar to uh, one of my businesses, a self-serve frozen yogurt shop, Ooh. which we'll have to talk about maybe carrying sprinkle pop as a, as a topping there. <laughs> but again, it lends itself because it's so visual. People love sharing this type of content. They love sharing pictures of what they've done with your product. So it's perfect for mm -hmm. social media, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but before you hired the marketing person, how much time, or did you have this outsourced as far as maintaining and managing all of mm -hmm. the social media stuff. How were you doing that? So I, earlier this year, I hired a, a marketing agency. So they handle all of the paid content that we push so that I'm not having to figure out all the metrics on Facebook and Google AdWords and stuff. But as far as actual content creation and management of like just our straight social media platforms, that's been handled between myself and my first employee, Tisha. Um, so we just together have kind of been managing it, reaching out to people to get, to get, um, them to create things for us, sending out free samples. Um, and then between the two of us, we managed it up until August of this year. Wow. How did, how did you keep that from not overwhelming you? Did you have, you know, certain, certain days or times? How did you manage that and still also do everything else like produce the sprinkles? I, you know, I don't know if I have a good answer for that. I, <laughs> I you know, live and breathe sprinkle pop. I sometimes wake up in the middle of the night with an idea and can't yeah. go back to sleep. <laughs> right. Um, it's so did just, you guys just always have your phones with you oh, and yes. just responded to a yeah. inquiry or a post or a pin or whatever it might be? You just were always on it. Yes, absolutely. Um, it was on-call <laughs> position. That's um, amazing. Yeah, so we try would we try to post once to one to two times a day, and we would sit down and, and make plans for things that we wanted to do or campaigns that we might want to run. You know, whatever trends are happening, we needed to make sure that uh, we were creating content that was for that. Fortunately, um, Tisha is a cake decorator as well, so wow. if there was any content that we couldn't get made by people who were buying our sprinkles, we could make it ourselves and photograph it. Right, right. Okay. Again, though, of course, you've got a product where a lot of the content is being created by your customers. Mm -hmm. A lot of user generated content. Right. That, that's huge. Um, and of course it's so visually appealing. So I get where that, where that's working. Um, all right. So great. Any, anything else smart? So you've hired a marketing person. You're, you're trying to get more exposure now, obviously in the different markets. Uh, anything else you think you're doing uniquely from a marketing perspective that we haven't talked about? Yeah, I think one of the things that we're actually trying to focus on is more traditional style marketing. You know, obviously, social media is, is super important, but we are finding that getting our stuff in magazines and going to trade shows and stuff that, you know, I think most people today don't think about as much because um, it costs a little bit more money. It's, it's been really beneficial for us. So we try not to limit ourselves just to social media. Mm -hmm. Who are you finding? Is that where you're finding more of the wholesaler type customer or, or all of it? Is that, are you find, reaching really, a different audience there? It's really all of it. Um, you know, I, I think we've gotten some pretty big accounts from people who've just seen us, you know, on social media, but then we've also gotten picked up like for example last year the new york times featured us on their um 
food and wine holiday gift guide. And the reason that they did that is because they saw one of our influencer posts. So it, okay. it really just, it's a snowball effect. Yeah. Yeah. No, very interesting. So we, we touched on it earlier about you charging a premium price. And, and uh, so, so tell me about that as a marketing strategy and, and maybe having to explain that to customers or wholesalers as to why you charge what you charge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you go to the grocery store and you look at the sprinkle selection, right. it doesn't look anything like our product. Um, we are creating something that is custom dyed. There's shapes in it that you can't find anywhere else. And, and that's really our main um, marketing strategy. But on top of that, we also offer free shipping on our website. So mm. that's something that people are willing to subconsciously pay a little more for. Mm -hmm. the, the free shipping has kind of become a must have in mm -hmm. e-commerce, right? It has. And it's, it's when I launched the business, that was my number one thing. I was like, I don't know what the price is going to be, but it has to be free shipping. So I started Interesting. there and built the price around that. And it was interesting because neither of my competitors offered it. And then I found within a year, now they still don't offer free shipping, but they, they came up to meet my price. I was actually the highest price on the market. Hmm. Uh, and now I've basically made everyone's price that high. Yeah, they should be thanking you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. All right. Um, so we'll start to wrap it up here. Is there anything we haven't touched on uh, as far as the, the, the product and, and what it is and who you offer it to? Why don't you summarize that for us here? As I mentioned, you can buy it on the website, but, but who is it that you're looking for? And, and what would you like to say that we haven't covered about Sprinkle Pop? Yeah, I think that um, in general, we, we've kind of captured the, the niche cake decorator market. Now I'm just, I want to get the word out there that anyone who likes baking can use sprinkle pop and make their desserts look professional. And that's, that's the real beauty of this product because it's not your everyday sprinkles and it is still so niche that when you buy it and you put it on your Duncan Hines box cake, people are going to wonder where you got the cake. And, and that's, that's what's so fun about these sprinkles. Yeah. I mean, and again, online, you can order a custom bottle mm -hmm. i guess of mix for just 25 dollars, and this is this yeah. really there really is a lot to choose from here i mean it really is unique yeah um, we and we get a lot of people that love to do that and it's fun because when people create their own custom mixes we'll put them together and, and occasionally we'll like it so much that we'll release it <laughs> that's great that's great all right uh, we'll take a shift here is there a, a resource or a tool uh that you've used either recently or throughout your business that you would recommend to our listeners? Absolutely. So especially as a small business starting up, my like number one thing is you don't know what you know, don't know. And if you're looking for an expert to help you in something, upwork.com is amazing. You can find anyone to do anything from marketing to web development or website management. Um, I've hired people to help me write copy for my website on Upwork. Um, any price point you're looking for. So it's a great place to find contractors to outsource stuff. Yeah. Did you, uh, I'm assuming what's nice about those sites is you can start small, mm -hmm. test it, right? And there's no big investment, no big, no big deal if it doesn't go well, but to start to learn how to use those types of outsource services. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a great tool. I actually found my my publicist on there. I found my contract salesperson on there. My, I mean, honestly, I found almost everyone on there, and I, I've had a couple bad apples. But you know, you you set the price limit, and if they're not doing their job, you end the contract. It's no yeah, big deal. Exactly. Yeah, you have that flexibility. All right. Before I wrap it up, a question that comes to mind is, it, and I'm, maybe you get this often, is if someone has an idea for a product-based business similar to yours. Mm-hmm. And they ask, you know, where do I get started? How do I, how do I become you? What's your guidance on where they should start? That's a tough question. I think first off, like if you have an idea, you need to research the market because okay. I, I've seen a lot of people go into, let's say clothing. That's a massive market. If you're going to, you need to know the market you're entering and make sure that there's an actual opportunity there for you. Um, and then also just, I think, researching your, your competitors and, you know, your sourcing, understanding what, what you want your business to come across as your corporate culture. There's so many pieces to it. And I would just say research, 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 um, even if you're doing it as you go. But I would say you should always be self-evaluating and evaluating your product and your business. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. I think, you know, for you, you understood very clearly that consumer of this product because that was you. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I was, that was a fortunate. (laughs) Right. And so that, that was research you had built up over years and then whether purposely, well, it is purposely, uh, you niched into sprinkles specifically Mm -hmm. and these gourmet sprinkles, even more specifically, you think that was a key component as to why you've had this success? Oh yeah. I think, I think especially if you're looking to go into an online business, the more niche, the better, because people can find anything they want on the internet. So the less competition you have, the better. Yeah. And they're certainly not going to pay a premium for it. If I can find it, you know, five different places, the same. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Love it. I love it. Well, Liz, thanks for answering all of those questions and sharing that story. Uh, What's one thing you want us to take away from the conversation that we've had about your business and launching it and growing it? I think overall, you know, when people ask me about being an entrepreneur and being successful and there's no magic bullet to being successful. I think everyone has a different story. And even for me, you know, I'm, I'm on year two right now and I'm hoping to take a paycheck at the end of the year. So I think it's more about perseverance than anything else and, and overcoming those obstacles. And if you, you have a dream that you want to follow, you need to, you know, be a little risk tolerant and, and push through. I love that. How important has it been that you have a long-term vision to, to help with being, with persevering and fighting through the hard parts? Is that, has that been critical to you that you've got an idea of where you want this to go? Absolutely. And, and that vision is, is constantly changing, but you know, I, I have long-term goals. And so, you know, as we hit these milestones, it, it reinforces, and then we, you know, everyone has setbacks. I've made bad decisions, but you know, I have to weigh the good and the bad. And, and overall, it's been pretty good, even when we have had some major setbacks. And I mean, I, you just have to push through it and know that you learn from your mistakes. Mm-hmm. It's got to be huge, of course, as we touched on that you're doing something that taps into your creative side yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really, I feel so fortunate that I get to do this every day. And I still get in the warehouse and help design the new sprinkle mixes. And, you know, it makes all the mundane stuff like accounting worth it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree. 
Wonderful. Where do you want us to go online to find out more? Sure. You can go to our website at www.sprinklepop.shop. Sprinklepop.shop. Yes. And if uh, you don't have time to write that down or you forget it, you can always go to our website. We'll have that link on the show notes page for this episode. Liz, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for sharing uh, your, 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 your launch experience, the journey, all of it, uh, and sharing you know, some of the challenges that you've had. Very inspirational. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. This is Henry Lopez. Thanks again for listening to this episode of The Howa Business. My guest again today was Liz Butts, and she's with Sprinkle Pop. We release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at our website, thehowabusiness.com. You can also just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996 to receive more information. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.